Warning, this show contains heavy, heavy spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. If you haven't seen it and you don't want it to be spoiled, go watch the movie and come back to the show. We'll see you then. Welcome to episode 19 of Too Much Coffee. I'm your host, Jason. Kevin is couldn't be here this week. He's uh, he's off on a trip. He'll be back next week. I'm glad you're here. You're always welcome. Today, we're going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. This is like the ultimate Spider-Man movie. If all the Marvel movies were working up to the Avengers, all of the Spider-Man movies, and it turns out all of the Spider-Man movies, all the way back to Toby's, you can include them all. They all, in a sense, have worked themselves up to this movie. Huge action. This is the movie that got people back in the theaters. You know, after all this, after all the terrible things we've been going through the last couple of years. There's a lot that Spider-Man does right. It's very touching. There's a lot of chemistry. You know, the characters have charm. But when I'm sitting here watching this movie, uh, I finally watched it a few days ago, and I had high expectations because everyone loves it. Rotten Tomatoes, 98% critics, 93% audience score. It's made all this money. Everyone's raving about it. The hype machine is going full blast. The hype train is about to go off the rails. It's chugging along so fast. And so I had high expectations, but I sat down with my wife and I'm watching this movie and five minutes in, I'm just, I'm already shaking my head. Now listen, okay, if you don't, if you love the movie, let me just spoil this up front. Spider-Man No Way Home is nonsense. (laughs) It's just nonsense. (laughs) It might be fun, you might love it, but it's nonsense and I like a little nonsense myself, but this is the nonsense I can't get behind. Sorry. Now, if it's going to bother you to listen to a show where I dislike the movie, um, this might not be the show for you (laughs) because I've got a lot to say about it. There are a lot of things that bug me, and it's not just this movie. These are things that I've seen in many other movies that have been happening for a long time, and I just can't take it anymore. So Spider-Man is the movie where I get to you know, unburden myself with some of these things I've seen that have been bothering me. And maybe these things don't bother you, in which case you would just completely love Spider-Man. And, you know, most people do. I think I'm in the minority here. But I'm going to talk about what it is about Spider-Man No Way Home that just rubs me the wrong way. And I'm going to talk about why, in a way, I think all of the love that this movie gets, it may be bad for future Marvel movies, at least, future superhero movies. Because ultimately, this may affect the quality of future movies in a bad way. I'm afraid that we're going to get worse movies because people love Spider-Man No Way Home so much. So, hear me out, grab a cup of coffee. I've got my coffee in my hand right now, and let's get into it. We're going to start off, we're just going to start from the beginning, and I'm just, I I feel like the best way to really 
make my case here is to just go through it chronologically from the start. We're not going to hit every single point. I'm not going to I'm not going to make you sit here for 3 hours while I hit every little thing. But I just want to go through the story so that you it's almost like you're going to take this journey with me as I was watching the movie so that you can really see where I'm coming from, okay? First of all, actually, the beginning of the movie is fantastic. The very beginning. It starts strong. This movie wastes no time whatsoever. As the, the beginning credits are starting, the first dialogue is already playing for Mysterio. Spider-Man's name is Peter Parker. And Spider-Man is freaking out already. The movie just kicks right in. I do love that. I do love the very beginning of the movie. It starts right in. And the movie doesn't let up the whole time. It's just, it's, it's going. So that's great. Kudos to the opening. But the problems start almost immediately. Uh, by the way, <laughs> when Spider-Man jumps into the crowd, uh, he, he's, he swings down to get MJ. She's, you know, sort of freaking out. And that woman tries to put her hands on Spider-Man or something, and he's, he sort of, you know, pulls himself away, and she starts saying, Spider-Man hit me, Spider-Man hit me. <laughs> I can't help but laugh at that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Okay, so Spider-Man is freaking out. MJ's freaking out. Everybody's like, oh, are you Spider-Man's girlfriend? Spider-Man jumps down, grabs her, swings away to escape the crowd. And immediately, spazzy Spider-Man starts. This is what this drives me crazy about Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I, I don't remember much about Andrew Garfield. He might have been like this a little bit too. But spazzy Spider-Man drives me crazy. I know Spider-Man is supposed to be a dork or whatever, a nerd, you know, not cool. But I see this in other movies. My little girl loves Encanto. The, the main character of that movie is, is so spazzy. You know what I mean by spazzy. Too high energy, can't get the words out, completely socially awkward. Now, maybe this doesn't bother you, but I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. And all three of our main characters are spazzy. Now, sometimes MJ sort of switches around, and she's like uh, cool and calm and collected and tough. But then at other times, she's just as much of a spaz as the other two, and I hate it. Is it, I'm sorry, MJ. How many times did he apologize to her while he was swinging away? Dude, chill. I know you're a kid, but dude, just chill a little bit. Be cool. Be just a little bit cool, okay? Calm down. He, all right, Flash is walking down the street. Spider-Man is falling through the sky. He does this little trick where he webs the grate, goes, doesn't slow down. But he's carrying Mary Jane, falls right through the grate, and web swings before he hits the ground between the top of the grate and, you know, the bottom of, like, the sewer. And I'm just thinking, this is so insane. This is so insane. No person would do that. This is his girlfriend. He would not just do that to her. This is insane. She would probably die the whiplash or something, this would kill her. I can't, I know that superhero movies are ridiculous. Going all the way back to the first one to Iron Man. Oh, Iron Man built a suit of armor in the desert. You know, you know the story. I know that some of that stuff happens, but it's too much. It's too much. Him landing in that grate and just swinging away. Just had me shaking my head. 
So Spider-Man goes back to his apartment. Helicopters are after him. He gets in there to his apartment, swings in. What do we see? We see Aunt May breaking up with Happy Hogan. Uh, oh, but uh, it's happening. I thought we were so great together. And I just think that um, we can uh, make it work. And of course, Aunt May is cool. And she's like, hey, it was fun, but you know, it's over. He's standing there, hang dog. Happy is so lame. Peter can be so lame. It's, it drives me nuts. Happy is a big guy at Stark Industries, and he acts like he acts worse than Peter Parker, the spazzy little teenager. Uh, this is when we see our first broadcast from J. Jonah Jameson, who is so good. <laughs> JJJ as uh, at the Alex Jones, like um, the Alex Jones radio host. Governments around the world launch investigations into the murderer known as Spider-Man. Who just hates Spider-Man. He's trying to get everybody to hate Spider-Man. All he wants to do is find dirt on Spider-Man uh, when he's not selling supplements on his show. He's great. He is so good. He's one of my favorite parts of the movie. So Spider-Man is in his apartment and some damage department, damage, department of damage control? I don't know what that is. They show up. They want Spider-Man. Ned, Ned in the interrogation room. I guess this is supposed to be funny. I don't, th I don't think this kind of stuff is funny. Ned's in the interrogation room. Guy's talking to him. Ned says, I'm not supposed to say anything to you. And the next sentence out of his mouth, he just starts confessing everything he can as quickly as he can before the interrogator basically tells him to stop. He acts in a way no person would act. It's too, it's not funny. It's just stupid. And it has me shaking my head. Another moment where I'm shaking my head. We get Matt Murdock as the lawyer. Matt Murdock, Daredevil, is Spider-Man's lawyer. Um... Why is he Spider-Man's lawyer? I don't know exactly. They really don't explain it. Um, I guess that's fine. There's this little thing where he's sitting there and he's telling them they're going to be okay. And then a brick flies through the window. By the way, like it's shot out of a cannon. And Mac, Matt Murdock just reaches over and grabs it. Of course, Matt Murdock is blind. And Spider-Man says, how can you do that? A great question. But then it's just sort of dropped. <laughs> I think I would spend a little time, you know, I think a normal human being would spend a little more time on that if I was in front of someone who could, who could just do what he did. Uh, I might have a few more questions. There is still a court of public opinion. How did you just do that? I'm a really good lawyer. Spider-Man know he's Daredevil? I don't think so. And he just reaches over and grabs the brick like it's nothing. Uh, I think it would hurt. I'm pretty sure that would hurt your hand. I mean, Daredevil has super senses, but he's not super strong. He's just a person. So you can't just reach over and grab something like that without at least saying, ouch, <laughs> Daredevil. At least say, ouch. This is crazy. <laughs> It just, what I'm getting at, okay, I know I'm belaboring it a little bit, but what I'm trying to get at is that reality does not enter into this movie whatsoever. And that's, it's a thread through this movie, through many other movies, and it just bothers me so much. I know these are comic book movies, 
and there's a certain amount of, you know, the science can be greater. I'm fine with that. The technology could be better. I'm fine with that. But these are still ostensibly human being, human beings in this movie. And I just feel like they should act a little bit more like human beings. These people don't act like people. They act like some Joss Whedon-esque, you know, facsimile of a person who is finely tuned to just make bad jokes and not have real emotions. I hate it. I can't get into the movie because I can't even see the characters as real human beings because they don't have real human emotions. They're, they're Whedon bots. Joss Whedon, is this his fault? He's, is he, has he poisoned every movie? Has he poisoned every comic book movie ever to be made? Joss Whedon's influence? All these dumb jokes that are not funny. And at the wrong times. Let's go through a little bit more of the movie, okay? I will say one, one scene that I liked when they dropped when they dropped the weirdness a little bit. So Spider-Man is talking to MJ on his phone. He's laying back on his couch. It's dark. Everybody's asleep. And Spider-Man's just talking to MJ. You know, like a, like a boyfriend and a girlfriend talking on the phone. I thought that was so great. It wasn't quippy. It wasn't stupid or, or silly. It was just a, a, a boy and a girl talking on the phone, and that was great. That was, that was a very charming and touching moment. I love that. So Spider-Man is now the most famous person in the world, as he says it. He goes to school the next day, crowds everywhere, trying to take his picture. He walks in with MJ, and the first thing he sees when he walks into the school are... The principal and two other people, I don't know what they are. They work at the school. And they've got basically a shrine to Spider-Man already set up. And they're just like, oh, Mr. Spider-Man, sir, we welcome to school. If there's anything we can do, hey. Feel free to walk or swing through the hallway or crawl on the ceiling to avoid everybody. We all know you can do it. I'm just going to. So Spider-Man's just like, fine, whatever, continues to class. Anyway, there's a great moment here with MJ where she's talking about, you know, she doesn't want to expect too much because she doesn't want to be disappointed. Okay, the kid, they get their envelopes for, for colleges. They've gone, they've gone out for three schools together because they want to be together. They're friends. And the first, uh, the first school says no. The second school says no. And the third school, MIT, they all get their envelopes. They get together. This is another great moment in the movie. I love this part where all three friends are sitting um, at this counter where uh, MJ works, and they open their MIT envelopes together to see if they made it. And, of course, they didn't make it. It's sort of a crushing moment, which sets up the rest of the movie because Peter here is recognizing that he, this, this doesn't just affect him. He's, he feels like he's destroying his friends' lives, his family's lives. And so he goes to Dr. Strange, which is one of the first just bizarre moments of the movie. So the plot for the movie overall is bizarre. Spider-Man can't get into college, and so his, he, his way of dealing with all of these problems of Spider-Man and being discovered and his friends in college is to go to Dr. Strange and ask him to make everyone forget who Spider-Man is. 
And Doctor Strange says, cool, that sounds great. Doctor Strange says during the spell, stop talking. He just can't help himself. He just can't help himself. His mouth will not stop moving. Things will not stop coming out. And the spell's ruined. I was thinking about how Peter Parker is like a lame version of Michael J. Fox from Back to the Future. Now, Back to the Future, Marty McFly was sort of a high-strung, high-energy character. I think sort of like what Spider-Man is supposed to be. But his version of that kind of character, to me, was far more palatable. He acted more like a real human being. He was actually funny instead of crossing over into that irritating territory, that super spaz territory. So Spider-Man goes to talk to the MIT lady. Dr. Octopus shows up. You know, one problem with comic book movies is that powers are all over the place. Physics really mean nothing. Technology is magic. So Doc Ock appears, and with his tentacles, he's destroying this bridge, just make it, picking up cars left and right, throwing these giant pipes, smashing his tentacles through all this concrete. I'm watching all this like, and no, physics exists, and <laughs> I give him a little leeway for a comic book movie, but this is just too much. Dr. Octopus cannot do all this. This is crazy. So, you know, they fight. For some reason, Dr. Octopus just fights like he wasn't just snatched out of another reality. It's like, what, what's going on in his brain? He, did he not realize that he just disappeared from one place and appeared in a totally different place and he's just going along like nothing happened? Um, I think they tried to explain this a little bit later where he, he sort of acts like his memory is fuzzy, but... It feels dumb to me. It feels dumb that he wouldn't stop for a second and say, hey, where am I? What's happening? That's what the Spider-Man, to, to, to move ahead just a little bit, that's what the, uh, the other two Spider-Men do. They're like, where am I? What's happening? Doc Ock doesn't do that. He just is rampaging, throwing cars. So anyway, Spider-Man and Doc Ock fight. Doc Ock tries to stab him. I don't know how he got his tie without stabbing through his chest, but he did. Uh, Pete's nanotechnology takes over the the um, tentacles, which I thought was pretty cool. I thought that was neat. So the nanobots like sort of invading Dr. Octopus's tentacles and taking them over. That was cool. I like that. That was a neat touch. What bugs me here, this is when the, the convenience of the plot goes into overdrive. Doc Ock shows up right where Spider-Man is. Why? Spider-Man goes to Electro. Okay, if you don't know, he talks to Spider-Man talks to Doctor Strange. They've got uh, Doctor Octopus sort of in a in a cage, and um, Doctor Strange is saying, "Look, all these people showed up from another world. We've got to send them back. We've got to send them back. They don't belong here. I've got something rigged up, but we've got to get all these guys back here." So he gives Peter a like this thing on his arm that he can. Blast, uh, you know, blast these people with, and they'll they'll be transported back to the dungeon, so that they can, you know, do what they need to do. So, Spider Man is going after all the people who've shown up. Doctor Strange sends him out. Spider Man finds Electro, and then for some reason the Sandman's there too. It's too convenient, of course. I mean, there's so many conveniences in this plot. 
That's another thing that bothers me about some of these movies is that I know writing is, I'm not a writer, so, you know, uh, I know it's tough, but the, the convenience of the Sandman just being there with Electro pushes my credulity to the breaking point. It's too much for me. So the Sandman's there, and he's like, hey, help me out, help me get this guy. And so they get him, and they put uh, Electro in the prison, and they put the Sandman in the prison. And uh, the lizard is already in the prison. I think uh, Dr. Strange got him. Of course, uh, Peter accidentally shoots a tree, and Ned uh, makes a dumb joke about, is this a tree monster? No, it's just a regular tree, you idiot. Like everyone is thinking, and I was thinking. One thing about it, there's a lot of CGI in this movie, um, and the quality varies a lot. Some of the CGI looks fine, but some of it is not great to the point where I think about it. So if I'm thinking about your CGI while I'm watching your movie, that's probably not good. Quick reminder, if you're enjoying the episode, go ahead and click that like button and subscribe to the channel. Or follow us on Spotify and rate the show. We really appreciate it. It helps the show a lot. We've got these guys in our dungeons and the Green Goblin. We, we move over to him. He's talking to himself as he does. And for some reason, he strolls on over to Aunt May's, you know, shelter. Another just perfectly, oh, just a perfect, wonderful coincidence that the Green Goblin went to the shelter. He said something about, he saw Spider-Man's picture on a billboard or something like that. But it, again, perfect, of course. Aunt May calls him, he shows up, and Aunt May says, here's what we've got to do. We've got to help these people. You know, in terms of the villains, the Dr. Octopus is great, um, and the Green Goblin is great. The others are pretty mediocre to me, but the script really didn't give them anything to work with. I mean, Electro just had a bunch of dumb one-liners, and the Lizard really had almost nothing to say. And the Sandman's... You know, no, it was just all, no, it was a bunch of nothing. So, you know, they did the best of what they had. Uh, doc, about this time, Dr. Strange is going to cast a spell again to send these people back. Peter is convinced that if they're sent back, that they're going to die. But, you know, after talking to these people, it's like, if you send them back, they're going to die. And he starts messing with Dr. Strange during his spell again. Uh, great. Um... This is where I'm starting to think, and I've skipped a lot, of course. I'm, this is where I'm starting to think the movie can't take itself seriously for two seconds. Nothing in the movie. Everybody's just spitting out one-liners. The bad guys are spitting out one-liners and nonsense. Mo a lot of the interesting moments, to me, are ruined because it just devolves into wisecracking that's not especially funny or interesting. It's just like this this low-rent, Whedon-esque dialogue. I'm thinking, I'm comparing this movie in my mind to something like The Winter Soldier, which may be 
the best Marvel movie. You know, in The Winter Soldier, that The Winter Soldier felt the most like a movie movie to me than any other Marvel movie. It was a movie that it had all of the silly comic book stuff in it. Of course, it had all the things that beggar belief, but we had characters who were deep, nuanced. We had a we had real stakes. We had real conflict. Um, it wasn't simplistic. It wasn't silly. We had a real story with real people who acted like superheroes, and they had to take sides. And we had um, even the heroes, but you know, ended up fighting against one another. Uh, Winter Soldier and Captain America, that was a very good movie with real character moments. That was a movie I could get behind. I could really get involved in the characters' you know, conflicts and missions because I cared about the characters. In this movie, because the characters act so silly at, at, um, in times when they shouldn't, I view them more as cartoon characters than real people. And it's very difficult for me to, you know, care about uh, what's happening to them. Spider-Man messes with Doctor Strange's spell again. Runs his mouth, grabs the cube thing, and he's like, look, we're going to fix these people. Uh, okay, well, all right. Uh, how are you going to do that? Well, this is Spider-Man, my friend, so here's the great idea. Let's do this. Um, let's get all the villains out of their prisons at once um why you couldn't do it one at a time you know to be a little safer i don't know let's just do it all at once it's cool you know we're all on the same page so he gets electro and the sandman and doc ock and the green goblin and um the lizard and they just all head on over to the apartment where he's got some magic machine that could just do whatever he wants it to do would do whatever he needs it to do I guess it just goes up to the microphone and says, um, <clears throat> I've got a guy who um, his tentacles are have taken over his brain. So if you could just create a little microchip thing that I could stick in his neck and it'll fix him. Bada bing, bada boom, that's what it does. So he goes over and he spends, you know, a solid 45 minutes or so fixing up Doc Ock and he sticks this thing in his neck and bam, he's fixed. And he's got a magic thing that he whipped up in another 20 minutes. He stuck that on Electro's chest, and he's like, this will suck all the electricity out. Oh, well, you know, you'll, you'll have enough to run your brain. <laughs> you have enough to run your brain, but, uh, you know, the, the excess, we're sucking it out, we're sticking it in this machine, you're going to be all fixed. What? The time frame is a little fuzzy for this movie, but it felt like this all happened in the space of like an hour and a half or a couple hours. He just fixes these two. This is this is insanity. This is crazy town. I mean, even Iron Man had to had to sweat. Even the genius Iron Man had to work hard to make that first Iron Man suit, and it took a little time. Nah, Peter, he's got the magic Stark replicator machine, and he just. Deet, 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 deet. Hits a few buttons and bam, we got a microchip. Bam, we got the electricity sucker. We're going to fix these guys in no time. And, you know, if he had another 45 minutes, he'd have fixed the Sandman and the Lizard too. But uh, the Green Goblin decides he doesn't want to be fixed. And Electro decides he doesn't want to be fixed either. And this is when Electro blasts Spider-Man and they make their, uh, make their escape. Uh, blasts Dr. Octopus, I'm sorry. And they make their escape. 
And you also learn here that electros, electricity must not really be electricity because it really doesn't seem to work very well. You know, I'm imagining, you look at this, this massive lightning bolt that he shoots out of his hand right into Dr. Octopus. I'm just imagining what happens to people when they're struck by lightning. How they, they, they messes their body up, they go unconscious. Nah, it's cool. You know, he just, Doc Ock gets knocked through a, a wall and he just kind of grabs onto the building, brings himself back in. It's all good. The electricity, it's, his electricity sucks. It's not electricity. I don't know what it is. It looks like electricity, but it's it's the it's a really Kmart version of electricity that this guy's shooting out. Oh my god. Oh, this is one of the worst jokes in the movie. So Dr. Octopus, and this is before he's he's um fixed. So Dr. Octopus is standing in the apartment and May is there, Aunt May, and she says Thirsty. Well, yes, I am thirsty. Fresh water or salt? You know, because you're an octopus. Oh my God. I almost threw up when I heard that. <laughs> that joke is so bad, I almost vomited. It's giving me a headache just thinking about it right now. My God, the jokes in this movie are so bad. All right, stuff happens. You know, they're getting in a fight, blah, blah, blah. Aunt May, poor Aunt May. This is when tragedy strikes and she dies. A sad moment. Um, Marissa Tomei's great. I mean, she does a very good job as Aunt May. I think that's one of the highlights of the movie. Aunt May's great. She doesn't get to do a whole lot. You know, maybe they could have made more use of her, but they had so many characters in this movie that it's probably difficult, you know, to give everybody, every every character their due. Um, so maybe she's underutilized, but she, the, the few scenes that she gets, she does a great job. Of course, she's always great. So Aunt May dies, and that's when the police shows up. Uh, whatever, some police people show up with guns, and they say, Spider-Man, come out or we're going to shoot. Uh, we're going to open fire. Um, maybe they just didn't see that there was a person next to him. Uh, maybe uh, what, for whatever reason, they just start opening fire on Spider-Man. Um, call me crazy. I feel like if you're standing next to a civilian... Uh, the police would not open fire on you, but that's what happens. Spider-Man escapes. We go back to Ned and MJ. And Ned has gotten his hands on one of the uh, the magic rings that the opens portals. And he says, you know, something about where's Peter Parker. And he starts spazzing his hands around. And for some reason, a portal opens or starts to open. And I'm thinking about Doctor Strange when I watched that movie, how the brilliant Doctor Strange could not open a portal without practicing, I don't know, for days, hours, a long time before he could even begin to open a portal. Ned, without knowing anything, just sort of accidentally, without even really trying, by just sort of spazzing around and doing jazz hands, makes a portal open up. And here comes Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield's, you know, does great. Um, He's, he's a very good actor. His his version of Spider-Man here is fine. Um, Mary Jane, MJ, not Mary Jane, Michelle Jones. MJ, for some reason, is doing a sort of karate pose, uh, like she's threatened by him and freaked out. And instead of just speaking like a normal human being, she does this karate pose and is throwing things at him to see if his spider sense is working. 
Prove it. Prove what? That you're Peter Parker. I don't carry an ID with me, you know. It kind of defeats the whole anonymous superhero thing. Why'd you do that? I was trying to see if you have the tingle thing. I have the tingle thing, just not for bread. So, you know, we, they our characters are spazzing out and spazzing out like they do. Uh, Toby shows up as the cool, chill Spider-Man. A little older now. Um... He shows up and he's like, hey, bro, what's up, dude? Uh, Toby's like, well, you know, where would, where would he go? I know where I would go. And Andrew's like, yeah, I know where I would go. And MJ knows where uh, um, um, Tom would be, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. So they all go there and they all have the Spider-Man moment where the three Spider-Men meet each other. And they realize that all the villains are here and Spider-Man, uh, Tom is telling them that he wants to help them before he sends them home, and they've all got a game plan. The plan is on. Now, it was cool to see all these guys together. And that was really... I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's what really propelled this movie, is all these guys being together. Just so cool. I mean, Toby hasn't done this role in you know almost 20 years. Maybe 20 years. Not sure exactly. Um... So it was great to have all the guys together playing Spider-Man together in the same movie. That was very cool. Freely admit, I love that. That was cool. I like that. So the big plan is to call into JJ's show and, you know, call all the bad... Oh, we've got to get all the bad guys together in one place. Oh. So this is this this part is just too much. This part is insane to me. So they all... Just take a few hours, a couple hours, 45 minutes, a half hour, whatever. And using all of the chemicals and the supplies from this high school lab, they all just whip up cures. Um, Toby says, you know what? I'll make the Green Goblin anti-serum. I've been thinking about it for a long time. As As though you could fix a problem like that you know, while your mind's not thinking about other things, oh, I've just been thinking about it. I, I think I worked up an idea that would work. Um, so let me just make that. And that it would actually work the first time using the resources of a, of a high school science lab. And they all just whip up the cures. You know, it's all good. These, these three guys are all miracle scientists, super genius, uh, 300 uh, 3,000 IQ people, they can just do this stuff with no problem. First try, one evening, nothing to it. And they whip up cures for the Green Goblin and Dr. Connors and the Sandman and Electro. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the Jump the Shark. If there, if there is, If the movie hadn't jumped the shark at this point, and it really it has, but at this point it has well and truly jumped over the shark. It has jumped in a rocket ship and flown all the way over the shark. Spider-Man is not magic. He is not 4,000 IQ. He's a kid. A kid. It was. It's enough that he... To do the web shooters by yourself is enough. That's, that's enough to believe. Don't make me believe that he could just whip up a, quote, anti-serum for the Green Goblin or whip up a 
way to pull the electricity out of Electro? To cure the Sandman? Bonkers. <laughs> Bonkers. But hey, you know, I like bad movies. I like Steven Seagal. I like, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And there's a lot of stupid stuff that happens in those movies. I like Napoleon Dynamite. There's a lot of dumb stuff that happens in that movie. So maybe I'm just not the audience for this movie. Maybe these are the kinds of dumb things that, that other people are fine with because it's just a cool comic book movie. Um, but for me, it's too much. Um, maybe it's just me. That's probably true. Everybody seems to love this, and don't, and most nobody seems to have a problem with it. So, you know, maybe I'm in the minority here. And if I am, um, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just talking about me here. So this is too much. The big plan is to get all the bad guys to gather at the Statue of Liberty. Why the Statue of Liberty? Because we're going to destroy it. That's why. Because we're going to destroy this thing. Um, Spider-Man, I guess, doesn't like it. Or he just wants to get in some more trouble. He wants people to be more pissed off at him. Whatever. So somehow, for some reason, by announcing his presence on the J. Jonah Jameson show, the word gets out to all the bad guys. And they all sort of descend on the Statue of Liberty at basically the same time. Again, the convenience level is off the charts. Woo! Off the charts. The, the chart is broken. The convenience meter has busted. And so, you know, they all get together and they fight a little while and the Spider-Man have to do their teamwork. Um... And Peter is attempted to kill the goblin, but uh, his um, the other two Spider-Men stop him, and they have a great moment. Um, they defeat the bad guys and send them back to their own places, and in the end, the, the spell is cast, and the whole world forgets who Peter Parker is, and we're sort of left with almost sort of the Peter Parker of the comic books where he's sort of nobody knows him and he has no money and he has to sew his own suit and he's sort of doing the Batman thing where he's going out and being a vigilante and except a Batman with absolutely no money. He has to find a job. He's, he's, he's all alone, Peter Parker. And that's where we're left off, which actually is a pretty cool, I think, place to leave it for the next movie. I think that's actually a great setup for the next movie. A Peter Parker, down on his luck, he's lost everything, he's lost his Aunt May, he's on his own, even his friends, he's lost his friends, uh, he's lost his amazing suit, and now he's got to figure it all out. That could be a very interesting sequel. Maybe Peter will grow up a little bit and become more of a character that I can stomach without being a complete uh, nitwit all the time. One thing about this movie is that his IQ jumps from uh, 65 to 4,000, just depending on what the plot needs. Let me give credit where credit's due. Tom Holland can act. The characters in this movie can act. They're good actors. They're all good actors. Um, maybe some people don't like the way Toby acts, but Toby's a good actor. They're all good. Okay. All the actors are good. And when the movie works, there are some, there are a few mo, mo um, there are a few moments in this movie that really work, you know, where it's touching 
and um, I'm feeling for the characters. And uh, when the movie is not undercutting itself with stupid jokes that don't land, when the characters aren't acting clownish in serious situations, when the when the movie characters, when the characters are not doing stupid things that no human would ever do, um, there's some great moments. I understand what appeals to people about this movie. I understand how great the spectacle is. I understand the action and all these characters being together and how this is like a buildup of all these Spider-Man movies for 20 years. I get all that and the energy of it. I get all, I, I understand what people enjoy about it. And if you can ignore the plot conveniences and contrivances and if the personalities of the characters don't bother you and the magic science doesn't bother you if the if sort of the deus ex machina doesn't bother you then you would absolutely love this movie and you know i'm not insulting anyone who liked the movie god knows i like tons of terrible movies <laughs> I love I love lots of bad movies. There are movies I like. I don't know why I like them. I don't understand why I like them. They're probably they're just terrible. But I, what what can I say? I just do. I'm just saying. I think we deserve a movie that is exciting and a lot of things happen and the characters are cool and it's over the top and the technology's awesome and there's magic, but where the plot is satisfying and the and doesn't rely on contrivances and conveniences and like, oh, he just happened to be here at the right time. We can have a movie that has all that. There's no reason why we can't have a movie that has every all of those things. And Spider-Man No Way Home ain't it. Marvel pumps out enough schlock as it is. And if people heap praise on these schlocky movies with, with plot convenience, off the charts. We're just going to get more of it. We're going to get more schlock, <laughs> more lazy writing, more weirdo characters. It's time for the, the era of Joss Whedon to end. Let's take the good things about the Marvel movies. Let's dump the bad dialogue and the silliness. And let's make some good superhero movies again. I don't think that Spider-Man No Way Home uh, is a good superhero movie. The flaws are the flaws are fatal. Let's get better movies with better plots. Movies where I don't watch it and go ugh every fight. Where I'm not rolling my eyes, but my eyes hurt from rolling them back so much in this movie. <laughs> Anyway, those are my two cents. That's what I think. What do you think? Okay, do you like the movie? Did you love it? Um, were these... Am I overstating the flaws of the movie? Um, are these the types of things that really don't matter and I'm taking these things too seriously? Maybe maybe the characters are great and I'm just crazy. <laughs> maybe that's true. Let me know what you think in the comments. Look, if you're on YouTube... Hit that like and subscribe. Leave a comment. If you're on Spotify, follow the show. Rate the show. We appreciate that. And Kevin will be back next week. Hope you had a great time. I know I did. We'll see you next time on Too Much Coffee. <laughs>